Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are listening to Kubernetes Byte, a podcast bringing you the latest from the world of cloud-native data management. My name is Ryan Walner, and I'm joined by Bob and Shaw, coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be sharing our thoughts on recent cloud-native news and talking to industry experts about their experiences and challenges managing the wealth of data in today's cloud-native ecosystem. We'll be right back after this short break. If you've ever had a puppy and raised it to become a big dog, you know that changing food and finding the right food is hard to get right. Ultimately, you want them to feel good and act happy and be okay with what they're eating. They're part of your family after all. I have an eight-year-old golden retriever named Roscoe, and he's always had a sensitive stomach, so finding the right food is kind of a pain. That's where Nom Nom comes in. Nom Nom's food is full of fresh protein that your dog loves and the vitamins and nutrients they need to thrive. You can actually see proteins and vegetables like beef, chicken, pork, peas, carrots, kale, and more in the ingredients. So here's how it works. You tell them about your puppy, the age, breed, weight, allergies, protein preferences, chicken, pork, beef, and they'll tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them straight to you. If you're ready to make the switch to fresh, order Nom Nom today and go to https forward slash forward slash trynom.com slash Kubernetes Bites and get your 50% off of your first order plus free shipping. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. And we're back. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are. We're coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. Today is November 21st, 2023. Hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Bavin, how have you been? I know you've been doing a lot of travel. Are you glad to be home? I am. I'm. I, I sure am. Like, uh, I was excited for the travel, like before the travel, <laughs> and now I'm just yeah. glad that yeah, uh, I'm. I'm glad it's done. Last Thursday, I think n minus n minus one day uh, before my conference trial was done, I was like, shit, I, I want to go home. I want to go home. Yeah. I can't have excitement to talk to people at the booth. Like even nothing with, to the people at the booth, but it was just like I'm done. I didn't have yeah. the energy. Your battery runs out. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's got a battery. Some people's run out yeah. faster than others, and it'll happen to everyone. And I don't blame. Yeah. I don't blame you for being like I don't want to talk to a single person today. <laughs> but one one cool thing, like uh, when I was in Denver for the supercomputing conference last week, right? Uh, Tim was there too. Like I know you, Tim. You know yeah. Tim. Uh, but he drove me to his place in Estes Park, and I met his dogs. Yes. And like, man, they are so cool. Like they just hang out with you, and like. They, they immediately like be start being your friends. I was like, like okay, I, I was super pumped to meet his family and and the dogs. You got to see his uh, mountain as well. Yeah, dude, it's yeah. a crazy driveway. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't drive like with 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 his truck. I was like, I don't know how you are making these turns. With obviously he has done that, but like thousands of times. But still, like it, it was a crazy, yeah, he's got crazy it and everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
those stories. I, I'm I'm like jealous, but no, it's a lot of work all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but it is a beautiful piece of property. I saw he posted that like KubeCon recap yeah. sort of video um, where he climbed to a nice view and stuff. I was like, ah, oh, like to be I, able to do I, that out of your backyard. That's his own property. Like he didn't yeah. have to go to like a state park or a, a national park. It, he it walked just out, right there. I, <laughs> yeah i know uh it's a really cool location but again as you said a lot of work i i i kept telling him on our way there like i can't do this like i can't do I this can't do this yeah i'm not like dude i'm barely able to keep up with with the condo in arlington <laughs> i'm not going to be able to manage and maintain sustain a a, a cabin in in ss park so yeah. hey uh, to each their own right mm-hmm. how was cool. your kubecon uh travel yeah, no, I can't complain. Uh, it was pretty easy. I know I had some uh, travel right beforehand. Yeah. And, and so I got back from KubeCon feeling the same way, like glad to be here. <laughs> Although I think I, I came in from KubeCon um, 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. in Boston. And oh. then I I went to bed when I got here. Yeah. This is like an hour away. Woke up, packed, and we drove to Vermont. So I wasn't oh, home wow. for okay. very long. <laughs> Okay, you still had travel, yeah, yeah. Um, but but that was a that was like a you know family like getaway travel a little bit, just like take some time off, which was really nice. That's um, awesome. It was up up there for the weekend, and it was cool because the the whole we were near Stowe, Vermont, which is mm-hmm. beautiful, and um, the season when you're up there at that time of year, like right in the first few weeks of November, um, sort of like Vermont's half and half in in winter and and still in fall, yeah. Um, like half the, the, the tops of the mountains are all snow, but oh, then the nice. bottoms are green still. Nice. And then, uh, you can take pictures where like there's snow falling in the background and, but you're still in like a green pasture and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of awesome. like this, you know, this, this cool. Yeah. I didn't know you were in stove because like last time we drove there, I think in September, we found like a really cool cocktail bar. Like it, it had like a, the setting of a, a ski, uh, um, resort, like a, 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 a pre. I guess if I'm, I don't know if I'm yeah. saying that right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it was really cool. Like good drinks. Yeah. Just that's like, a good place. Yeah. Stowe is very cool. It's got, I mean, for a Vermont town, you gotta, you gotta like put yeah. it in perspective. It's never going to be big if you're yeah, in any yeah. town in Vermont, right? Yeah, like five um, restaurants. Like, yeah, so. exactly. But there's, yeah, there's, there's a couple of breweries, a couple of good mm-hmm. restaurants, you know, those kind of things. And nice. if you like being sort of remote, it's, it's beautiful. And yeah. we always like getting away there. So uh yeah that's what i did and uh now we're back here and we're ready to do our kubecon episode i know i'm always pumped to do these like i I had somebody like i know we'll talk about this about how kubecon went but i had some uh, one of our listeners stop by the boat and like what are you going to cover in the news "Ah, you have to wait (laughs) nah no sneak peeks yeah we did have a few people come up and um you know shake our hands say hi we I really know. appreciate that because that oh, like gives like living proof that people are listening which is always really helpful to you know, to our our own ears and egos uh, <laughs> that we're not just doing this talking to ourselves so even though like i like talking to ryan like we, we still like when we don't hit record like we're still doing the same things that we're doing right now <laughs> yeah it's always good to get that validation like okay it's not just a, a bubble that we're talking in like there, there are people that are listening to us Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So thank you. Thank you for uh, being listeners and coming yeah. to say hi. That was very cool. Yes. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, we're post KubeCon pre Thanksgiving. Um, and we're going to do our news episode. Uh, we like to do, uh, you know, news in an extended fashion, but really mm-hmm. around, um, you know, releases and sort of yeah. things that came around that week 
so to speak. So um, we also have some kind of themes and thoughts of our own that we'll uh, bring into the fray here because, you know, our experience at KubeCon might have been a little different than some or may have been similar in ways. So we like to share that. And hopefully that's useful for folks who didn't get to go as well. So let's let's start off with how the show was in general for you, Bhavan, and maybe how it compared to some of the other ones. Yeah, I think uh, KubeCon Chicago kept getting better, right? I've only been to three KubeCons, uh, LA, Detroit, and the one in Chicago. This one was the best for me. I think in terms of the number of people that attended, and for surprising, like I I spent most of my time at the Portworks booth during the actual conference days, and there were a lot more people that were willing to have a conversation and ask questions. And I was trying to relate it back, right? Like, uh, you remember the the, the uh, talk that we attended at DevOps Days Boston, yeah. where Pete was talking about zero interest rate poly, uh, projects or ZERP projects, yeah. and how everybody wanted to spend developer time and solve things that were already solved in the vendor ecosystem. And I think that was happening till last year. Now, I think things are getting expensive, right? You can't have developers just work on some some smaller open source project that eventually helps you. I think the build versus buy discussion is happening inside bigger yeah. organizations. And then that has, this is just my assumption, right? That has forced people to see like what solutions are out there and how they can plug these in into their existing stack rather than trying to reinvent the wheel because they want to custom make something for their own organization. So I think mm-hmm. with that background, I had a lot of conversations around again for for Portworx, right? How how has how are how have things changed? What's yeah. new? How how can Portworx help us? Things like that. But yeah, really engaging KubeCon for me. How about you, Ryan? Yeah. You know, I think you know when you look at Detroit, it was mm-hmm. definitely bigger than Detroit. But if you look at a, the previous KubeCon yeah. in Amsterdam, it's actually smaller, right? So yeah. um, I think Amsterdam was around ten thousand, mm-hmm. and uh, Chicago is around eight thousand. I think oh. is the numbers that I've been hearing. So oh. it was less people. Okay. Um, and I did see that in a in a few different ways, right? So like, I don't know if you remember. Oh no, you were in Amsterdam, right? Nope. So so mm-hmm. yeah, so Amsterdam was bigger by a couple thousand people, and like the the cube the sort of cube crawl yeah. the the nightly sort of thing that they have on tuesday mm-hmm. or wednesday um that was definitely it felt like a lot less people were in the show floor for yeah. that cube crawl um on in chicago okay and and i don't know if it was just the difference of a couple <laughs> thousand people yeah or if it was just the way the hall was set up or whatever but you know there was still a good amount of people there but i noticed a little bit of difference mm-hmm. and I'm not exactly sure why, and it could just be an EU versus America's thing in terms of interest or that kind of thing. But 10 to 8, and you know, I also had a couple of conversations around folks that budgets are shrinking, (laughs) unfortunately. Uh, So maybe there was less people that got the budget to fly and and attend. But, you know, it was was a little smaller, but it still had a really good energy, like you said. Um, like I've heard different numbers, so I think I, we <laughs> we should see what CNCF eventually publishes. I've heard like fifteen thousand people at Chicago, uh, not eight thousand. So I don't know. No, th- I mean, this was from the CNCF. Oh, it was the, okay. Yeah, so I, uh, okay, from I someone who's involved. Yeah. Um, I think it was <laughs> around eight, but I, fifteen would be very surprising if I, that turned out to be the number. <laughs> we'll we'll confirm and put it in the, yeah, in yeah. the show notes. Though. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I think you know to your point where I think it it did have a slightly different sort of feeling to it in the mm-hmm. sense that I think it spoke to the maturity of where Kubernetes yeah. is, right? Um, I, I read an article and I think I put it in our in our notes here about, it was from Forbes, but the whole idea around it being that 
operators have arrived, right? It's not just developers who are part of the projects and project teams and open source community. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, we're sending people that have money and budgets and executives are now showing up to basically make decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Is the way I took this article. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't really disagree, right? I think people are getting to that point where it's like, okay, there's no, there's no turning back that (laughs) this is a platform that's here to stay. So, you know, we're coming here with our checkbooks, so to speak. Um, Not literally, I hope, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I would love to see that, dude. Like cloud native, but the transactions are still done through paper. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm sure sure it's been done before. (laughs) Anyway, so I mean, what what do you think? Maturity wise, where are we at? No, I think from a maturity wise, I know like CNCF mentioned they have crossed the chasm a couple of years back. So we definitely see that evolution, right? In in terms of the attendees, but even in terms of themes, like in, in, in terms of what everybody on the show floor or in the keynotes were talking about, it wasn't just about oh, how cool Kubernetes is. It was always about like how people are using Kubernetes to do everything, right? And I know for the keynotes, AIM <laughs> was like a huge thing. Like if you, of course. you just, yeah. Yeah, and we will talk more about yeah. <laughs> AI because yeah, it was undoubtedly um, the favorite thing mm-hmm. and term to talk about in Chicago. Yeah, so it was always about like how Kubernetes is that platform or that underlying layer that's supporting all different use cases. So agreed, right? We have matured enough that people are trusting Kubernetes as that platform or they are investing heavily into this and go trying to find alternatives from whatever they were using today and see how Kubernetes fits into their use cases, fits into their deployments, uh, and then selecting Kubernetes as that platform for the future. This can be to run containers. This can be to run virtual machines through the KubeWord project that we have spoken on this episode, yeah. uh, things like Wasm, any like serverless with Knative. You can run any kind of applications, right? Kubernetes is that data center OS as Ryan likes to talk about. So. Uh, yeah, we, I definitely agree that that was the trend. Like Kubernetes is is here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, there's, there's no ifs and or buts about yeah. it. Um, so I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of other things I think, but um, before we dive into maybe some some specific news, I did want to talk a, a little bit about the themes we covered. AI, yeah, yeah. as an obvious theme, I think mm-hmm. without a doubt was a standout theme. Even though there was not like a ton of talks like yes. there was talks that had ai, AI in it um, no i think my observation is ai yeah. was a theme for the keynote but then when you actually walked around the show floor it it hasn't permeated enough that all the vendors are just talking about ai like there were definitely some ai messaging here and there like oh there ai enabled idps and things like that but it wasn't an ai conference just no. yet not just and it shouldn't that. be yeah and it shouldn't yeah. be although i i did notice that if you if you went and talked to some of those vendors right yeah. and and said um, hey, AI is here mm-hmm. and, and is penetrating the thoughts of the KubeCon attendees and vendors. What are you doing with it? They yeah. would they would probably come back and tell you, you know, they do have a project going on or yeah. they have it tied in here and there. At least mm-hmm. that's the um what I notice is that yep. if you if you kind of poked at what people are doing about it, they there's active stuff. So I think maybe we'll see, you know, next KubeCon, yeah. um, there a lot more talks that have, you know, here's what we're doing with this model or yeah. that, that kind of thing. I think also, it was definitely top of the mind for all the vendors. And then I think next year you'll see not just talks, but also like productized things around AI that is actually using 
say an llm or building their own llms for kubernetes uh, so we i think we, that's going to happen like just one of the vendors on the booth olama oh, i i think that's that's a, a really cool name olama oh, and they had like awesome llama stickers that they were giving away they, it is just like a 3 or 4 year old company uh, i saw by their booth uh, they were surprised that cncf used them as an example to talk about ai <laughs> on yeah. kubernetes but they are like they allow you to download all the llm models on your laptop and then you can just run prompt engineering on your laptop instead of sending all of your data or all of your prompts to open ai or other vendors that host these models for you yeah. so they are exper- like really hard on the experimentation phase right now just trying to see how this will work but it right now they have a solution that like is pretty cool you can install it on a mac or a linux box uh, or on a kubernetes cluster and get local access to llms without having to send things over yeah you know it, it's it's funny you mentioned llama um yeah. and because i you know i was part of the data on kubernetes yeah. uh, day one event and that was a really great event they they did a really good job um you know putting those on mm-hmm. and kind of making it feel like a separate thing that you were yeah. at um but there i was at a talk about vector databases yep. um and and it was it was really well done um but i sort of learned more about the community and, and things like hugging face dots yeah. And I don't know what it is about the names that people are coming up with in the AI community, <laughs> but I'm I kind of love it. Yeah, right, I some know. of them are <laughs> sort of terrible and funny, but then like hugging face and llama and you know I, I don't know. There's just something about people are having fun with it, and I don't know if, I don't know if it's just like because we're so early on and hasn't yeah. like marketing hasn't grasped their hands on it and named it something traditional like, corporate boring. marketing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I kind of like where that you know, yeah. whole community is right now. Like just hugging face is the community. Like, I don't, I don't know if you, if you didn't, if you're not familiar with hugging face and that's the first time you're hearing it, you're probably like having the same reaction I did, which was like that. That's the name of it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but no, no, no. It, it was like, it, it doesn't clearly say what it does. Right. So like, even when I heard about it a few months back, it was like, okay, let me Google what this is. Like, why is everybody talking about it? It's like a GitHub for your models. Yeah. Just in, in, in that one line description, but check it out. Like it's free to use. You'll see all the really cool. models uh, yeah. and you can download and start using them. So uh, do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it might as well just be named like banana peels. For... That might be slippery. <laughs> oh, you can't say. Um, there's one model on there that I actually saw on a thread on uh, Twitter, which, uh-huh. um, is is about um it, it's basically a model that you can run and, um and it looks it uses your camera and okay. in real time uh, has david attenborough attenborough Oof. narrate you so <laughs> nice. like based on what you're doing and yeah. I, I'll, I'll i'll post the link to the to the okay. <laughs> to, to the twitter in um in our show notes but because the video they that this you know this tweet has nice. is fantastic but it, it uses your real time so if you like mm-hmm. you know make an expression with your eyebrows or take a drink of water it'll do it in sort of like a nice. planet your... earth style yeah. way and it's <laughs> hilarious and nice. these are the best things that ai can be used for really nice. <laughs> um yeah no, no that's just that's just me no uh and i think if, talking about like continuing our themes discussion right yeah for the show floor bring us back on track yeah. <laughs> trying to do trying to <laughs> no, a lot of platform engineering right like idps they like one of the vendors that i found 
shit i, I forgot their name but they would they they took a different approach on idp I, usually whenever whenever we talk about internal developer platforms we talk about creating golden paths for developers to deploy resources right just right. do things this way but they had a different view like instead of that uh, they were fo- focusing on the you build it you run it philosophy so like oh you built x number of services now you are on the hook for uh managing yeah. them on a daily basis so they gave like a, a cool dashboard which aggregates like pager duty alerts uh, grafana or prometheus metrics it, it just aggregates everything gives you a neat dashboard like how all of your services are doing what needs to be fixed if they, you had any specific log events they'll show it to you so like every morning first thing in the morning the developer can just log in look at all of their running services figure out what needs to be fixed and then they can like go and continue doing their or pick up another jira ticket to work on but uh that was a cool interpretation of idp for sure yeah this is like platform engineering going to a level where it's like you want to build it you want to run it <laughs> we're going to give you some training wheels yeah. right we're going to try to make it as easy mm-hmm. and accessible as possible so you can see, succeed at this and yeah. i don't have to run it for you yeah but yeah there <laughs> were a lot of those traditional idp vendors right like oh as an admin you can create blueprints on how to create like an s3 bucket or or any object storage bucket and the developer can choose from a drop down like oh i want to create a blob storage bucket in azure instead of s3 in aws and it it ha- the op- the administrator can configure or use apis from the cloud providers or terraform and configure everything on the back end so for the developer it's really easy so like i think platform engineering i know it has been a buzz for a while yeah, uh, but it's getting real. Like there are actual tools that people can start using. Yeah, you know, like my take on platform engineering was, yeah, it was still a big topic and it was still mm-hmm. part of the the conversation for most people. Um, but I think we're still in the process of figuring out what's the right way to get yeah. there. Like yeah. not that it's not real. It is mm-hmm. real. And people are, are kind of figuring out now, OK, well, how how do I how do I concretely get there? And yeah. that's where I think the the blueprints come in. That's where I think, like, how do you actually build the platform and and, and, and how do I do it in X, Y, Z manner? Yeah. Um, I, I think another part of um, this, which we both put in our notes here, which was the the platform engineering maturity model. Which, yeah was from the well, application delivery yeah. tag yeah yeah that was very cool um we'll put a link in the show notes but basically uh it is a white paper from the mm-hmm. uh application delivery tag i think i'm I think yeah that's, that's true group. like app delivery yes. technical advisory group uh, yes. they did a white paper and now they followed it up with like a model where they have yes. different stages that your organization can be so kind of like the dora metric reports uh, that come out like okay your organization can either be in the provisional operational scalable or optimizing state of platform engineering yeah. and then they look at different aspects from like how do you get investment for platform engineering what's the adoption like what are the different kinds of interfaces people can use mm-hmm. how are operations being an- handled and how do you measure things and they rate like okay across these this complex matrix that we'll put a link in the in the show notes but they tell you where where you are if you are doing these things when you're talking about platform engineering so again i think it's more about giving people yardsticks to measure themselves against like okay i thought i was doing platform engineering the best i could but i can be doing things better so i think that that's what uh, this, this maturity model will help bring to the community they have a couple images in that white paper too um that i think are really helpful yeah. one is the capabilities of platforms find that mm-hmm. in the page contents which is really the relationships between uh what they talk about as products platforms and capability yeah. providers so it really kind of i think puts into a nice concrete example of like when someone says platform 
what does yeah. it actually mean, right? Um, and the the northbound and southbound are actually fluid interfaces, right? In the sense that a platform is not the same thing, and it won't be the same thing, no matter probably where which organization you look at it, right? Yeah. It'll always it'll have some like uh, some common pieces, mm -hmm. right? Identity, data, yep. uh, artifacts, those kind of things, observability tools. But then there's north and southbound stuff, and then the a second one was sort of a graph based on where you are in that maturity model. Mm -hmm. And I, one thing I took out of this paper was that in every case, it kind of says that um, platform engineering is a slow start. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, and I was like, this is, this is a very valid thing, but uh, um, I also want to say that a lot of things are slow starts, right. Yeah. Even if you were like to say how you're adopting DevOps, right. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's, some tools, some groups yeah. kind of advocating, some champions kind of pushing, and then you kind of cross this this uh, this boundary. So um, mm -hmm. find both of those graphs. Uh, I think they're really useful if yeah. you're into this kind of graph. I haven't looked at that graph, but I'm assuming that, okay, once we go through the, the slow thing, it just becomes a hockey stick graph and like, let's go. Come on. Yeah, that's pretty much. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it. <laughs> Yeah, not not so much hockey stick exponential growth, yeah. but um, yeah, it does take off after okay. a certain kind of okay. nice. uh, crossing uh, there. Anyway, no, and yeah. I think one of the other things that I like while talking about platform engineering, right? Talking to the actual practitioners or operators, as you mentioned, uh, one thing that they're struggling with right now is that multi-cluster, multi-cloud thing. Like even though there are like the the 100 level examples right oh creating creating object storage bucket that's good but then what about the hard things like how do you manage your access credentials across all of these different clouds and across all of these different clusters how do you do that i think that's one of the challenges that a few people that i spoke to uh, are facing and they're like let's solve those and then we we can go all in to platform engineering because Many of these organizations have some form of a idp built over the years which you to help developers provision VMs, and now they have uh, evolved it to provide uh, Kubernetes clusters or namespaces on demand, and they want to move towards more of that cloud-native platform engineering stack. But then I think once we solve some of these yeah. day two challenges, I think that's when it becomes like super real. So yeah, and that boils down to like what's the real value you're yeah. providing, right? And yeah. and and the graph I think that I was talking about also kind of talks about value, right? Once once you're providing enough value, and that that number is not a thing. Yeah. Right. It's it's different everywhere, but uh, your users will basically be be pulling instead of um, resisting. Right. Yeah. And that's that flip that they talk about between them. Um, uh, I think it's the operational and scalable layers. Gotcha. Which, and I, I like the the that Spotify likes to share these success stories. Right. Like I, I think the the one blog that they published like two or three months back, they were like. 96% of their developers are already using the backstage based IDP that they built and they didn't even market the IDP to all of these different developers or, or internal business units. People, once, once the snowball effect started, they had to like get, get some, they had to put in some work to get the snowball rolling. But then once they did, I think it created an avalanche and like, uh, yeah, a lot more people signed up and that's the default way inside Spotify right now. And I'm so happy with myself that I got the whole avalanche thing going. Like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. All right, let's let's switch gears a little bit. Oh, actually, yeah. um, the couple other things we had listed here was application platforms, which kind of yeah. just ties into the platforms things that we were yeah. talking about. Security, uh, always sort of a big topic yeah. um, when it comes to KubeCons and where we are. Just you know, in in 
in the world with technology and then uh multiple clouds multiple clusters yeah um i know it's weird i pronounced both words but yeah multi-cluster <laughs> multi-cloud um i think we're also sort of a um a a parallel topic to yeah. a lot of different talks i saw a lot of people describing their architectures using multiple clusters and, mm -hmm. and how they're doing that with different tools and different applications and kind of uh those kind of things so yeah. uh, i don't know about you but I, those were the other couple that i had on no, i think yeah agreed multi-cluster for sure and security is always there right like yeah I, <laughs> I can't ignore security. Like if you do that, that will be not, not great. Uh, I know we, in the news section, <laughs> we have great. a few. <laughs> not great was not the way probably a lot of people describe it. it. It becomes a resume generating event. Like if you mess up on security, like nope, nope. nope. Or resume, resume depleting. Ooh, event, nice. Depending yeah. on how <laughs> that goes for you personally. Yeah. Okay, so let's dive into our an article or two um, while we still have some time left. You, yeah. how about you go? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. And we are back. Yeah, sure. I'll start with one of the big vendors in the ecosystem, right? Like Microsoft. Uh, yeah. I, obviously, Microsoft announced a lot of enhancements to AKS, not just during the week of KubeCon, but also Microsoft Ignite, which was last week in Seattle. Uh, but I, I just wanted to highlight two things uh, that are relevant for our audience. Azure Backup for AKS is now generally available. They announced this as an alternative to just backing up Azure disks. So now this is a solution that's available in the Azure UI or the Azure portal. It is based on Valero. It's a simple extension that you enable for your AKS clusters. And then you can just select, okay, what namespaces you want to back up and it back up, nice. backs up not just your TVs, but also all the different Kubernetes resources that you might have running. So a, a good tool to use, simple to install if you are already using AKS or if that's your one cloud solution that you have for Kubernetes. And then uh, the second thing from Microsoft that caught my eye was a new operator that they like to call Kato, which stands for Kubernetes AI Toolchain Operator. Uh, and it's another managed add-on for AKS, but it simplifies the experience of running open source AI models on your AKS cluster. So it automatically provisions the necessary GPU nodes that are required. If they're uh, available. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yes, yes, if they are available. <laughs> and then like it, it reduces uh, like the, the onboarding time, right? So it helps you focus on AI model and usage rather than infrastructure setup because they handle all the orchestration of AKS and the worker nodes with GPUs in them. Uh, the one cool thing that stood out was like, they manage these large model files as container images. And they do this using the operator. So like if you have a model, it can be stored in your Microsoft container registry. As a container image, it gets pulled down. You run it on your AKS cluster uh, by provisioning, by automatically provisioning those worker nodes. And then you can run inference through that. So uh, a really cool open source uh, operator that uh, Microsoft is now talking about. I don't know if they have been talking about it before, but now with the AI spin on everything, this is something that I caught, definitely caught my eye. Yeah, here's here's a, a very specific example that from, yeah. from the article that uh, I want to point out. Mm -hmm. that we were talking about how the names are kind of funny. Yeah. Right. So they're talking about inference servers being yeah. one of the things they deploy. And the two that they, they describe in this article is um, such as Hugging Faces 7B, right? <laughs> 
that might as well just be yeah. goobly globbly glibbity bop right nice. and then you have nvidia's which is like nvidia's triton interface and in, in server, which is like okay well marketing got a hold of yeah, that one. Marketing, anyway, yeah. i had to bring that full circle because it was yep. just like the absurdity in one mm-hmm. sentence <laughs> that's true okay how about you go next man all right since we're on the topic of yep. ai um i did want to bring up cast ai's mm-hmm. um on announcements around um it was two different announcements it yeah. was automated workload right sizing and precision pack i'll describe a little bit about what those two things are but cast was one of the ones one of the companies that we covered in our cost yeah um yeah, we referred uh, to them when they raised their funding before uh yes so, yeah so now they um uh, they got an additional series b i forgot when exactly that happened 35 they million. announced it during qcon so like oh they decent. did okay yeah yeah yeah, so that was 35 million Series B from uh, vintage investment partners and existing ones from Creamdom and Uncorrelated. <laughs> anyway, the point being is they were a cost optimization platform, yeah. which there's a number of these out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Cast being one that really focuses hard on this AI aspect and bringing it into the fray, right? These new capabilities are, you know, I think the first one is a little bit. Um, self-describing in the sense yeah. that workload right-sizing is something that we're constantly, you know, pulling at straws, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get right. You know, that's the idea that when you provision a pod, it has CPU memory associated with it. And, yeah. and what's the right scale out and CPU memory for each one of those pods and containers? Um, and how do you how do you always make sure that that's, you know, right sized in the sense that for how it's running where it's running those kind of things so this is basically cast's cast version of being um i think by default cast already makes um recommendations like every 30 minutes or something and and so this kind of pulls it into the fact that where uh, it can automatically kind of ensure that those uh workloads are running um most efficiently uh and sized in sort of a cost aware Mm -hmm. holistic approach to to resource utilization um and then the precision pack is um something that's a a little bit different in the sense that um it's based on scheduling decisions so Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with kubernetes kubernetes makes some basic scheduling decisions based on where it's going to actually put that pod and there's a number of different ways it can do this you know bin packing versus sort of spread and those kind of things well this kind of is cast approach to um, taking a cost aware mm-hmm. and um, sort of um, it, it is a bin packing algorithm, but it will it will do things in such a way that uh, workloads have to move around less is the way gotcha. that I okay. I mostly took this on. So overall improves efficiency and will do this based on sort of their cost optimizations and things like that. So um, again, I think these types of Announcements and companies, this is like the very beginning, mm-hmm. right? In the sense that we're we're starting to see tools and models used for real-time decisions, you know, making those inferences based on real data that's being produced at an infrastructure layer, uh, scheduling layer. Um, just because, um, you know, uh, the complexity that Kubernetes and running you know, tons of applications on Kubernetes is becoming, I think these tools are going to be vital for yeah. operating and managing. And I'm, and to, to, to make an aside based on this, right, we mentioned complexity, right? Complexity was a topic in, in some of the keynotes yes. as well on KubeCon. And um, we'll also put in an article in here 
from the new stack that talks about Tim Hawkins sort of complexity budget mm-hmm. um, and that he talked about at the at the keynotes. I didn't watch. I didn't go to the keynotes fully. I watched a few uh, out in the kind of foyer yeah. area by the show floor. But, you know, the, the point being is that we're we're making Kubernetes do all the things yeah. right. You know, cue cue all the things meme. Um, <laughs> your favorite <laughs> nice. one, um, yeah. and Tim Tim's basic uh, point was that developers and 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 maintainers should consider whether it's going to make things a lot more complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, one of the things in the article I think is like, no is temporary, yes is forever. Right? Yeah. If we keep adding things and adding things, and and um, at which point do we blow the budget? Right? Blow this proverbial. <laughs> complexity budget and i would i would be in the camp of like we're already pretty dang close mm-hmm. yeah, it's about that uh, opportunity cost right like if you yeah. say yes to this what are you saying no to in the future and what if that thing is more important so i like that there should be a balance for sure in like what things you're agreeing to uh and what things you're saying no to i like the quote like no is temporary yes is permanent That's i like awesome. that one too yeah. I, and if i find out who and where um <laughs> where it was actually said i will make sure it's accredited but it, it's somewhere in this article uh i, I also want to like i also want to tie the fact that i feel like openstack went through a, a very similar mm-hmm. thing where you know it so many projects kept spurring off yeah and it got very very complex doing a lot of things and i hope my hope is that we don't like do the same thing to kubernetes right i think this is sort of what tim is sort of mm-hmm. uh so leaning towards yeah Yeah, because like like i know cncf likes to focus on kubernetes as the platform to run ai even at the supercomputing conference there were already vendors that were trying to starting to talk about kubernetes so it was like okay kubernetes was not built for running ai workloads it was can it yeah yes yeah i think i think the difference is we shouldn't bake in um first order objects yeah. or projects that do ai it's fine to use kubernetes as a base to run yep. your ai stuff on yep. or create another like company or mm-hmm. project but like don't let's not make it part of core yeah, yeah. not part yeah. of core yeah it I should be like operators custom resources yeah. just like yeah. Tack it on. let it let that be your reconciliation loop yeah. for anything and everything but not yeah. make it heavier so uh agreed yeah. So anyway, uh, this is a really good article. If you mm-hmm. were at the keynotes or if you weren't, you know, go watch them. I think yeah. there's a lot to be uh, learned about this type of conversation in the community, mm-hmm. especially if you're getting involved or you are involved as part of projects or, or a maintainer, that kind of thing. So, okay. yeah, I know. Huh. We we took an aside from from <laughs> from Cass. So I'll, I'll throw it back to you, which is <laughs> which is uh no, yeah, that for sure. Like my second. No, uh, all good. I think the one last thing on cast is like the total money raised is 70, 73 million dollars, and I'm sure like cube cost might be in somewhere in that range as well. So it's like there's a lot of money being invested in solving these challenges. Uh, so maybe you can figure it out on your own, but if not, there are vendors that are working on it. So uh, go check them out. Like I'm sure they have like a free solution that can help you do some basic analysis on your clusters today. Uh, next I want to talk about like our friends at Red Hat like they had like two like they had a few different announcements they participated in multiple day zero or day one events uh, Red Hat Device Edge uh, is now GA so like they um, Red Hat had like a mixed hmm. edge computing strategy uh, they had different answers there now they're like okay 
we calling anything that's edge related as Red Hat device edge. It's now GA. It has two different variations or deployment options. Uh, it is built on the open source community project called MicroShift, which is like a lightweight OpenShift deployment and an edge optimized OS that's derived from RHEL or Red Hat Enterprise Linux. And then when you're deploying device edge, you can either select RHEL and Podman for very small deployments with static applications. And only when you want to bring in the, the orchestration capabilities of OpenShift or MicroShift, you can select that second deployment option and that, that allows you to deploy containers and manage them locally. Uh, but then a few other things that they made GA hosted control planes for Red Hat OpenShift on bare metal and for Red Hat OpenShift virtualization. Hosted control planes is actually a really cool project. Like I think there's an open source variation as well, but it allows you to create these uh, multi-tenant clusters or, or create like a master cluster and then all the child clusters or worker clusters uh, where you don't have to spin up or dedicate VM-based nodes or bare metal nodes to run control plane components for your actual workload clusters. The control plane components actually run as pods on the master cluster. So you, you gain a lot of infrastructure uh, efficiency. Uh, the spin-up times are way faster. I don't know. I'm a big fan of hosted control planes. I wanted to uh, uh, share that with the community. And then uh, if you are using uh, Red Hat OpenShift service on AWS or Rosa, uh, you can now run virtual machines because now they support Metal instances in AWS. I'm still having a hard time justifying why somebody would spin up Metal instances in the cloud because they are expensive and then run virtual machines on OpenShift. Uh, On-prem, on bare metal, I completely get that. Uh, but uh, again, they, they do link say that they have a few customers that are asking for it. So uh, OpenShift virtualization on Rosa is now GA as well. Mm -hmm. I think for, I could see the use case around uh, development and things like that, or yeah. testing, right? When you want sort of that like full environment, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, And I think it makes sense, right? Like they don't force you to get metal instances. It can just be a temporary work group, node group that you deploy like a, with a machine set configuration, get spun up, you do your testing or whatever you want to do, and then you can scale down the cluster. So uh, yeah. I think there's still some value, but just the cost might be expensive. Yeah. So, uh, you know, going back to the Red Hat device edge thing, yeah. I, you know, we covered Cube Edge mm -hmm. in one of our previous episodes, which yep. is a much larger architecture for. Yeah how to run edge and how to talk back to the your core cloud and those kind of things. Do you think this is definitely the start of what we're seeing from Red Hat when it comes to maybe building like a full a full sort of edge cloud? Yeah, cloud to edge kind of capability that we see in the cube edge world. No, I think uh, agree, right? Like they do have their multi cluster manager in ACM or advanced cluster management. Right. So I haven't tried this out personally, but I'm assuming that if you have MicroShift running at these edge locations, you can manage all of these sites from that ACM deployment that you might have. So like there, there are some capabilities for sure that will help you to manage everything centrally, set security policies centrally, centrally using your advanced cluster security tool or ACS. Yeah. Uh, I think there's definitely value, but I think they still want to keep the footprint at the end edge to be as low sure. as possible. Because Absolutely. again, as we discussed some of the challenges earlier, right? It was uh, in the edge computing episode. These are smaller devices, not yeah. server grade, not data center grade. So you want to make sure that whatever you're running is lightweight. Yeah, and I think that was called edged, right? Is sort of yeah. their little runtime um, in Cube Edge. Mm -hmm. But I'm more curious because I think Red Hat, with its um, sort of track record with management operations, mm -hmm. uh, you know, being something they're very good at, 
you know, in terms of usability of their 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 UIs and kind of deployment, yeah. those kind of things. I could see them offering a very, you know, specific version of sort of ACM and Cube, uh, sorry, uh, Red Hat Device Edge. Yeah. That also has all these other things tied into it, like, you know, syncing uh, data Ooh. back and forth and having yeah. device twins and all these things, right? Um, more tailored to like, here's an architecture, but from gotcha. Red Hat. So I, 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 I'd put that on my predictions. Nice. For 2024. <laughs> That's awesome. And then I know like uh, like uh, around the edge computing space, right? Since you are on the topic, uh, another vendor in the ecosystem, Zedida, Z-E-D-E-D-A, are from my friends in India, Z-E-D-E-D-A. Zedida. <laughs> yeah. They announced like a, an edge Kubernetes service, which is like they're supposed to be like industry first, fully managed Kubernetes service for the distributed edge. So it, it's it's go, trying to solve all the same challenges like unreliable security, lack of skilled IT personnel, uh, undependable network connectivity. But then they are partnering with, uh, with Kubernetes ecosystem like vendors from SUSE to uh, Canonical to OpenShift, like trying to support those distributions on their edge deployments as well. But yeah, if you are looking at building out uh, hundreds of edge locations, uh, check check out this new vendor in the ecosystem as well. They refer to some like Gartner studies that say 80% of all customer software will be running at the physical or, or uh, physical edge by 2028. So they have some analyst numbers to back it up. But yeah, a, a new service uh, that's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So. Um... Another big topic mm-hmm. was the Kubernetes API Gateway 1.0 yep. is live. Uh, there was a whole bunch of great articles and talks and stuff like that around that. Um, if you're not familiar with the Gateway API, uh, it's really, uh, I like to describe it as sort of like ingress.next, <laughs> so to speak, um, but also tailors to both um, uh, getting traffic into the cluster and inter intric uh, cluster mm-hmm. and inter and intra cluster. Nice. I'm saying that correctly um basically it's sort of the next rendition of how um services are 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 handled it's it's definitely the um has a lot more features a lot more kind of like usability so mm-hmm. to speak um for how things are doing it's been in progress for like quite some time um but this is officially 1.0 and there's a whole bunch of great articles that i won't even try to start speaking to <laughs> but um you know uh, you can start using it and um having it be stable the other um article i had around gateway api is solo.io mm-hmm. is you know one we've talked about in sort of the service mesh category and stuff like that they uh, announced their fully conformant implementation of Kubernetes Gateway AII, uh, Gateway API within the Glue Gateway. Okay, so nice. Lots of terms going on there, but I think um, this is something that we consistently will, you know, start to see from the networking and services mm-hmm. uh, vendors is kind of conforming to make sure they're yeah. um, using Gateway API as as others probably. dude 1.0 is a big deal like okay yeah i think a lot of vendors will start paying attention like and even though i'm like i work for a vendor but i didn't know anything about it but okay i need to check it out like what is it like how does it work so uh yeah. thank you for bringing it to the to the episode ryan yeah absolutely okay next up security right okay let's talk about a couple of security vendors uh aqua security uh announced additions or new features to their trivi uh, open source image scanning tool. Um, they they announced the ability to generate K bombs or Kubernetes bill of materials, which are basically a list of all the different Kubernetes 
components that you're running in your cluster, including control plane components, node components, add-ons, including their versions and images. Now they announced the capability to do vulner vulnerability scanning of the components in KBOM. So like not a, a huge feature, but I think just making things better and better. Uh, and then uh, one of these, like another new vendor in the Kubernetes security ecosystem, Stacklock. Uh, I know people who are familiar with Craig McClucky. He was one of the yep. original Kubernetes guys, right? This is one of his new startups after Heptio. So Stacklog is focused on uh, improving the security postures, not just for developers, but also for open source communities and for organizations that are building using containers. Uh, I really like their theme on the website. They are all into marmots. Uh, they are animals that you find Marmots, I think yeah. yeah, Pacific Northwest at least that's where that's where I've seen them. But yeah, they they announced like two open source projects, one called Minder, which has its own uh, Marmot logo, <laughs> but it's an open source plot platform that helps development teams and open source communities proactively manage their security posture. So like if you're uh, working with multiple repositories, how do you uh, do the repo configuration and secure those? Uh, how do you do dependency and license management? So it helps enable uh, it helps developers by enabling them to make better choices and enforcing controls. And then finally, uh, helps them with artifact signing and verification using this open source six store project. And then Trusty, which is which is something that actually I found better uh, for some reason. Uh, so uh, Trusty helps you as developers, right? You like to use a lot of open source libraries. And sometimes there are these uh, malicious techniques through which attackers can get into your environments or your application code uh, called uh, starjacking or masquerading or typo squatting. What they, they have figured out using this open source uh, project is if you are trying to figure out if this is a good open source repo to use or not, you can actually, like, they will help you score, like, give, they will give you a score based on their own data-driven scoring method where they look at uh, package provenance information, where they look at uh, the GitHub stars activities and figure out whether uh, a package which was supposedly just called marked M-A-R-K-E-D, but a new malicious package showed up as JS, which made sense to some of the JavaScript developers, but then wasn't an actual package. It was just a malicious package that, again, JFrog published back in 2022. So uh, Trusty will help you choose the right solution uh, or right package to use and not, get, not, not allow these malicious uh, things in your application code as you're building your apps. So uh, another cool vendor to uh, look out for. Nice, nice. So it, while you were explaining all that really uh, useful information, I was in the background finding the marmot uh, yeah. uh, funny video where, where uh, I don't know if you've ever been on, you know, seen the video of the marmot standing up and saying like, Alan, 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 Alan. And he goes, Steve. <laughs> anyway, I put the link in here because that okay. is a marmot. Okay. Uh, in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> it actually was and uh and and if you don't and never have seen it click on the link because it's just hilarious um at least i think it is anyway. yeah I, I again i'm just taking down notes to make sure i check all of these things out cluster gateway api number one and then maybe maybe <laughs> maybe the marmot video <laughs> you watch the marmot video first okay cool definitely. yeah <laughs> um cool so i the, the the other ones i wanted to cover uh here was that cross plane which we just had on the show i know um was uh talked about as an incubating project i think it happened um either september october but mm -hmm. it was brought up in one of the keynotes it's really exciting stuff for them uh, open telemetry also yeah. is 1.0 which is uh, you know a, a big um mm -hmm. big milestone a big update um and there's a lot of 
uh, different integration happening there. I know the Prometheus project is getting to that point. Um, and there's some others that have already sort of integrated it, um, you know, seamlessly to get all the, you know, logs and metrics and all those things all together. So really cool stuff there. Um, uh, speaking of Grafana, we both put this one here, so you might as well mm -hmm. cover it. There's There's been some sort of built-in updates for uh, Grafana Cloud around Kubernetes cost management. Again, um, this, it like like Cast and KubeCost, like we covered on the show before, this is sort of uh, Grafana doing its own thing yep. and just kind of, I think, speaks to, you know, I think where we're at with operating and managing Kubernetes yep. clusters. <laughs> this is clearly top of top of mind. And, and it's funny because I didn't put cost as a theme, theme. <laughs> but um, it's definitely it's definitely up there. Yeah, for sure. And I think the the thing that I wanted to talk about around Grafana was they have had their Grafana Cloud, which is a SaaS offering where they host the Grafana instance for you. But now they have a solution where you can install their agent on your Kubernetes clusters and ship metrics to, to the SaaS portal. So making it easier instead of you having to deploy and manage these instances, even if you're running a Kubernetes cluster on-prem, install the agent using a simple Helm chart and it will connect back into your account and show you metrics uh, for your cluster uh, as well. So uh, nice update cool so i think we I think might have not covered every single link we had in here <laughs> okay. um, i know we will we will still put them all in the show notes yeah um, but i did want to end with a few of our uh more much more general thoughts mm -hmm. right we we covered that kubernetes is maturing uh it's not just growing and focusing yeah. but really what we're what we're seeing is a focus uh, a double click on stability security and and things built on top right mm -hmm. things like platform side of things and we covered that a bunch today um platform engineering is definitely something that people are thinking about how to expose this to you know their internal uh customers uh and or and or external i guess um the other thing i wanted to mention here which um on top of the complexity which we mm -hmm. talked about already which is um retaining talent is tough right yeah um, I, I found there was a lot of a lot of people searching for roles at this KubeCon, and it may just be you know economically where we are and where the market is yeah. um, but this is a little call to action to any of our listeners um, we would love to aggregate any jobs you have in the Kubernetes space um, and put them out to our community and to mm -hmm. our listeners so um, definitely go and and send those to us. If we find any, we'll we'll make sure and put them on our Slack. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll make, we'll create a channel just for this kind of thing or for jobs that we have uh, that you want to post. So, um, yeah, it was tough to see that, and and maybe 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 it is a, a number of different things, but yeah, retaining talent seems tough these days. I know, uh, and this talent is not cheap, right? Like people with with the Kubernetes skill set. I know we have been on the on a growth trajectory and more and more people are getting started with it. But yeah, it's still far and few, uh, uh, few, I don't know what how the phrase goes, but they're not enough. Not enough, man. <laughs> no, but, uh, I, I like the audible there. Um, yeah, and let's and let's hire people because I think for a long time we were trying to hire the Kubernetes sort of unicorn, which yeah. is the person who knew how everything in the Kubernetes stack worked. Mm -hmm. I think we're getting beyond that point. Yeah. Let's hire specialists who, who know a part of the Kubernetes yeah. um, thing really well. Maybe that's security, maybe it's application delivery, maybe it's you know, CICD. Let's start doing that more, right? I think I think someone knowing everything um, is someone who probably, you know, um, 
is going to be less useful to you in the long run anyway because it's just impossible to keep up. So Yeah, and it's just like they'll be so expensive. Like, uh, again, this is not related to Kubernetes, but with all the things that are going on with OpenAI right now and how they are signing letters and they've, they've ousted the CEO, um, I see like tweets from Mark Penny of the CEO of Salesforce on Twitter. They're like, if you are somebody who's, who wants to leave OpenAI, Send me an email at salesforce.com. Just openly. Uh, yeah, openly just poaching people. Like, come on, join me. We'll match your pay. We'll give you all the options that you need. And so, like expertise in relevant or popular fields is important. So uh, there's no shame. Yeah, no shame, dude. But uh, that that makes me feel good as, as somebody who is trying to like think about that new ecosystem, right? Like, okay, this is the next place to be. Let's just skill up. So uh, not just around AI, but... At KubeCon, even though we, we are talking about like practitioners and operators, right? I did get like a few questions around like, oh, what what resources do you recommend for me to get started or have yeah. the new guy that joins my team get started with Kubernetes, hands-on labs or or just like training courses. So I recommended all the CKA certifications that CNCF has, Kubernetes the hard way, and then for sure, Kubernetes Bytes, the actual podcast, right? <laughs> learn a few things. I did, yeah. I did have someone tell me that they used a few snippets from our podcast in an interview. Nice. Uh, I'm hoping the Madmit video makes uh, makes it the next as the next thing that people talk about in interviews. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be number one. <laughs> That's funny. Well, um, as always, uh, please uh, go uh, and uh, give us a rating wherever you can on your on where you podcast. Join our Slack. Yeah. Uh, you can. The easiest way to do that is kubernetesbytes.com. It'll be top center of the page mm-hmm. there. Um, and just uh, definitely encourage people to reach out, send a message, uh, review us wherever you can. Hit subscribe uh, if you're that kind of uh, person who listens on YouTube. I know. Thank you. Like our YouTube subscribers have been going up, like not as much like as our audio listeners are, but they, it's it's going up there, dude. Come on. More people yes. need to hit subscribe on our YouTube yeah. channel. So thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> and as always, this brings us to an, uh, the end of today's episode. I'm Ryan. I'm Bobin. And thanks for listening to another episode of Kubernetes Bytes. Thank you for listening to the Kubernetes Bytes podcast.